<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. I've tried to be fair to you creatures. Now my patience has reached its end. Tell me, or I'll... No, not my gumdrop buttons. All right, then. Who's hiding them? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you know... Gary. The Muffin Man. Gary Hoffman. Yes. Shannon. Tell me if you've seen her. She always bring the racket like Venus and Serena. Shannon Farron. This is about to get weird. Gary and Shannon. Let's begin this new chapter together. And let's start the work right now. You can be cool. You can be shy. Say what you want. Say what you like. Shannon, we've got your chance at $1,000 coming up. Looks like there is a fire-related death investigation underway right now in Agora Hills off of Lobo Canyon Road. That would make uh, three fatalities if, in fact, this is connected to the Woolsey Fire. We got an update this morning. 97,620 acres. Containment is uh, said to be about 47%. The burn area about the size of Denver. (sighs) To put that in perspective, the Santa Anas are expected to decrease throughout the day, so that should help firefighters. This is now one of the largest on record for L.A. County going back more than 100 years. It has destroyed at least 483 structures, damaged to 86 more. Uh, the So the 483 number, I, I've seen this a couple of times. The way that the L.A. County Fire Department is describing this, they say that the preliminary estimates show 483 total structures. But at this point, their damage assessment has only been in through 22% of the area. So they have 280 or sorry, 279 confirmed structures destroyed. They're running on that number of an estimate of about 483 total. I have a, a friend in the sheriff's department who sent me some pictures yesterday way out in the hills. It is it is moonscape okay. out there. It is absolute moonscape out there in terms of what's left of of anything. Absolute black soil, uh, the bright white ash where things burned as highly, you know, as quickly and hot as they did. It's It's almost indescribable what it looks like back there. A lot of people back in their homes, power on for a lot of people, but uh, tens of thousands remain under evacuation orders. Looks like a section of Malibu was reopened, but there still is a, a large portion of Malibu cut off. Uh, all right. So the the I think the good news today, like Shannon said, these winds are expected to minute to diminish throughout the day, and our fire watch, fire weather watches, and fire weather warnings are expected to expire today. That's why they do have the very optimistic full containment date set for Sunday. 
you think about that, 100,000-acre fire, basically, and they're saying they can have this thing contained by Sunday because the conditions are going to change significantly. Yesterday, we saw clouds in the sky for the first time in a while. I mean, actual clouds created by moisture. Uh, There's some more today, so all of that is potentially good news. Uh, Not too long ago, I shared on our Facebook page a drone video of paradise and that fire up in Northern California, and it is almost unbelievable you we've seen i've seen digital maps i've seen digital maps that show the you know each individual home represented by a little red dot ones that were destroyed but when you put a drone up in the air and you see hundreds and hundreds of homes in one shot that were destroyed it's uh handle described it today as an atomic bomb looking yeah scene. it almost looks like it, cinematic like it's from a movie yeah yeah, you wouldn't be able to actually imagine that that happens in reality, but that's exactly where it is. This campfire burning up in paradise, 135,000 acres. Containment is at 35%. There are now 48 confirmed fatalities, and still the number of missing is well over 100. It's closer to 200. Uh, a list of the missing will be released soon. National Guard troops have been called in to help teams that are already looking remains the uh i think one of the images that was uh most poignant to me is well there's a couple i know some of these places up in paradise and i was telling you there was a theater that i did a play at one time theater on the ridge they posted something on their facebook page where the entire area around them surrounded by pine trees that are all absolutely destroyed now by fire and a pickup truck in the middle of the parking lot that is completely gutted by fire, the tires melted away and everything, the theater itself still standing somehow. And they said they didn't have any damage, it doesn't look like, to the building. But there's an image of the Walmart in Chico, which is sort of on the east end of town, closest to where you would, it's kind of the way you'd get to uh, to Paradise if you were to drive out there. The people who run the Walmart have opened up their parking lot and a field next to it as sort of a tent city. It's a massive tent city. It, you know, it looks like the parking lot of a football stadium on Sunday with all the tents. I mean, it is widespread there. Um, there are some tales of these search teams up in Paradise that I want to get into when we come back uh, because they are searching for things that they don't want to find, of course, uh, bodies and bones. And the places that they're checking the home's foundation like the bathroom. Check the bathroom. One of the searchers said yesterday, that's where I would probably go to the bathroom with water running as long as I could. Stories from from Paradise are just incredible. All right. Uh, We will continue to do this. Now, we're going to get somewhat back to normal today in terms of our programming. We will do What You Watch on Wednesday a little bit later this hour. Next hour, we're going to do a story about private firefighters. You may have heard that... uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West had private firefighters. They're not the only ones. We've talked about this before, but I think in this fire in particular, with so many celebrities being affected, these private firefighters are getting a lot of work. Yeah. Um, The other thing is Governor Brown may have actually listened to somebody smart when it comes to uh, changing foresting policies, logging policies in California because of how 
um, the the density of our forests is helping cause and uh, proliferate these fires. We'll talk all about that coming up in the next hour or so. But first, your chance at $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword BANK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BANK to 200-200. And if you win, you will get a phone call. you got to answer your phone, even if it's from a number you don't recognize. You don't answer, they move on your next chance to win in next hour around this time between uh, maybe five minutes to 20 minutes after the hour you've got a chance to win a thousand dollars once an hour monday through friday from 5 a.m to 6 20 p.m right here on kfi gary and shannon will continue gary and shannon We didn't get to it yesterday, but we're going to get into it coming up next. This is the murder of eight people in rural Ohio. Happened a couple of years ago. We covered it when it happened, but they have arrested a family of four now for the murders. They say it's all about child custody disputes. Just wild story. The murder of eight people in a family by four other people in another family. Crazy. Wow. Hey, uh, an update on the fire stuff. We know that there will not be, we just learned from L.A. County Fire a few minutes ago, there will not be an 11 a.m. update. They have been, since the fire broke out, they have been doing updates for one in the morning, one in the afternoon. At this point, they're not planning one this morning, uh, but we will keep on top of any new information that comes out. The other thing is that we know the Interior Secretary, Ryan Zinke, had planned a trip to Asia. He has canceled that trip and is going to make his way through the fire zones uh, today and tomorrow. We're not sure when and where he'll be in Southern California, but we'll keep you updated on that as well. Making their way through the fire zones as we speak are teams of cadaver dogs, forensic dental experts, coroners, anthropologists, white hazmat suits, red heart hats. They are looking for, as I said, things that they don't want to find, bodies and bones. At least 48 people were killed, many more missing. Ray Kelly is a spokesperson for the Alameda County Sheriff's Office. They have a search team working in paradise. He says, we don't want to be good at this, but it's an unfortunate reality of what has gone on in Northern California. They say this is going to be a very long process. Jason Finney is a captain with Butte County Fire. He says, we've done this before, but not with this many people in this large an area with so many structures and so many vehicles yeah, and they've had to bring in national guard soldiers i think a hundred national guard soldiers are involved in this task of going street by street home by home looking for the for the remains of these people it looks like a lake saved more than a dozen people up there in, in Butte County. Oh, that's a, that's an amazing isn't that story. is crazy okay so uh there there's a lake up there and uh, it, there's some homes around it there, and this is in the wooded hills of Butte County. And the guy that uh, the Chronicle talked to, Scott, his wife, and their two young adult sons, two dogs and a cat, saw that the, the their home was surrounded by fire. And so they look over, they see the lake, and they're like, well, that's our only option. So they plunge into this concow reservoir as the flames flared up all around them. Now, they said there were at least a dozen other people who also went into this lake, all wearing, I mean, remember, this fire started at 6.30 in the morning, and this Concow Reservoir is closer to the origin point of the fire than the town of Paradise. 
So by 6.30 in the morning, the fire starts. By 7, 7.30 perhaps is when they are in the lake. So they're all wearing what they went to bed in, basically. Yeah, the, the, the dozen people you talked about, they said, were from a caravan of vehicles that a firefighter had been trying to escort away from the fire. But then they ran into a wall of flames and they said, oh, into the lake we go. The, the, the heat, again, they're standing in this Concow Reservoir. And it's freezing. It's freezing water. You can, I mean, if you have a pool right now, a pool in your backyard, go stick your hand in that pool. It's been cold at night, so your pool is very cold, but it's not heated. Imagine a mountain reservoir. This stuff is freezing cold. They are in this lake, and the fire, the heat from the fire on the shore is so hot that they have to move farther and farther out into the lake. One of the guys in the lake was a man named Bruno. Bruno is 90 years old. Apparently, he was in his home, and Scott and his son went to go grab him, and Bruno says to them, just leave me. I can't do this. And Scott says, Bruno, we're not going to leave you, and I'm not going to burn, so you better hurry. So into the lake Bruno went at 90 years old. But it looks like Lake Concow saved him. Scott uh, is this guy's name. Scott and uh, Michael's family cat. They all struggled to stay afloat in this tiny little cage. I mean, the cat was in the cage. They obviously weren't. But Michael noticed a pair of rowboats that were chained to a nearby log in this lake. Some of the people that live there obviously have little boats. So he takes these uh, rowboats and helped Bruno, the old guy, Uh, He helps his own mother and his brother and his family pets on board, everybody but his dad. And Scott says, listen, there just wasn't room for all of us. You guys paddle to safety on the other side of the lake or to some area where it's not going to burn, and I'll be here. I'll I'll just be fine. He said it was so cold at some point. Remember how I said they had to get out deeper into the lake to stay away from the heat? The water itself was so cold. He'd then have to swim closer to the shore to, to warm up a little bit oh so gosh. he didn't die from hypothermia. They said at one point there were an estimated 15 people standing shoulder deep in the water. Some of their abandoned cars remained on Hoffman Road just north of the reservoir as of yesterday. In fact, Scott's in-laws were further up in the lake, further to the north, he found out. <laughs> Man. Um, all right. So I've heard about that before. We covered... Where was it we covered a, a wildfire and there was a couple that got into the pool and that's how they survived overnight. Remember, we told yeah. that story. I think it was here. It was somewhere around here. It Sounds, was Southern California. Yeah. Um, all right. So this, uh, these two fires are definitely going to dominate what we talk about, dominate what we talk about for the next couple of days. Next hour, there's a couple of things that we wanted to bring to you as well. Not only the governor appearing to ease his thoughts on logging regulations in California, which would be a drastic change from the way we've managed our forest land for the last hundred years, uh, and also these private firefighting companies. Some people in Calabasas or Thousand Oaks, some of the big, big mansions were able to hire private firefighters. I'll tell you how that whole thing works uh, as well. But if you want to check out on our Facebook page, I reposted, I shared a video from a television station out of Sacramento that is a drone. Um, it's about a minute and a half, two minute long video of drone footage from the town of Paradise. And the destruction that we had seen to this point continues to amaze me. Every single day since this fire started, I've seen new images that are more devastating than the day before. And it looks like an atomic bomb went off up there. All right. Coming up next, a family of four has been arrested for the murders of eight people from another family in rural Ohio. Happened a couple years ago. One of the women 
shot and killed as she lay in her bed with her infant. We'll tell you what the motive was for this when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, we will stay on all the developments coming out of the fire news for you. Also, fight over... Press coverage at the White House today. Uh, the Trump administration, administration, excuse me, contends it has broad discretion to regulate press access to the White House. There is a legal challenge from CNN and some other outlets all over Jim Acosta getting kicked out, his hard pass taken away from him. I am very curious to see how that goes. It seems to me, I mean, I can see both sides. I would see how the president and the White House would specifically have the ability to determine who gets a hard pass to get in there. But at the same time, you uh, limiting that. I don't know. I you understand know. both sides as well, because his behavior was ridiculous, was ridiculous. And he was trying to make it about himself. And I get it. But, you know, um, I, I it, think it's that, not like he's some crazy press person that they, you know, I mean, usually he's not a crazy person. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could argue that you could argue that he is. But you know what I mean? It's really their revocation, revocation rules are all about, you know, if somebody's gone off the rails or something, they don't want them near the the president or the White House. You could just not call on him. I mean, there's that, too. Just ignore him, which is basically what the president was was trying to do in in that news conference last week. Um, Last week, that was one week ago. I saw a tweet today that it was 17 days since the Dodgers lost the World Series. 17 days, guys. Holy hell. That feels like a year ago. I can't wait till pitchers and catchers report. We've done this story a couple of times where we've tried to figure out exactly what happened in the deaths of eight people. Eight people. In rural Ohio. Four different crime scenes hell of a job of the investigators putting this thing together now we i mean obviously there's some connection there was a connection here because a lot of this is uh family members um that were all connected in some way but these four different places where the murders took place seven adults and a teenage boy were found shot in the head at four separate homes back in april and everybody was concerned that this was a drug hit that this was something uh, that was an indicator of how things were going in Ohio in terms of drugs ravaging towns there. And now the drug cartels perhaps moving in and exacting revenge on people who fought against them. It looks like it all goes back to one relationship. Jake Wagner, 26 years old, one of the guys arrested yesterday, and his relationship with Hannah Roden, one of the people murdered. They had a child together named Sophia. She's five years old. And apparently Wagner's family, Jake Wagner's family, was fixated and obsessed regarding Sophia and the custody arrangement that they had. How do you convince that many people? Because they're saying, according to the attorney general in Ohio, Mike DeWine, he says that this thing was planned for months. How you get... Three other people to join you in a murder plot like this. It's a crazy family. 
You know, it's the whole lot of them. It's Jake Wagner. It's uh, his dad, mom, his brother. They were just insane over this custody. Custody arrangements really do drive people insane. Like next level. They said that uh, all of it was Jake's former girlfriend, this 19-year-old Hannah Roden, like you were saying. She was also shot and killed, one of the first ones, in fact. Um, And they were – Hannah was in bed with the newborn baby when she was killed. The baby wasn't hurt. Right. But to give you an example of how depraved and crazy this family was. Yeah, there's – Sophia was not there. The five-year-old was not there with mom. Um, But three other children were – they were all unharmed. Sophia, by the way, is still in uh, Jake Ragnar's custody. How is that possible? She moved in with her father and the rest of the family to Alaska shortly after the murders. How is that That's what they wanted. That was their end game, right? To get Sophia in their custody. And to what end? I mean, that's the other part about this. I, I know that when you're thinking about murdering that many people and you've got all of your crazy family members with you doing it, no one does the extra one calculation, which is, so after we do this, now we've destroyed this girl's life forever because not only is her mother dead and all of that they side of the family. probably thought they were doing her a favor getting oh rid of God. these people. Um, they were questioned numerous times, this family, by the way, after the murders. Questioned numerous times, but I guess they didn't have the evidence. They moved to Alaska. They took Sophia with him. Uh, investigators conducted more than 130 interviews. They processed more than 100 pieces of evidence 550 tips, like I said, four different crime scenes in rural Ohio. They sought the help of 20 law enforcement agencies wow. to tackle this thing. I, I, I said that they were shot in April, April 2016. I mean, just to put the timeline back in order here. That's why it took them that long. The first mention of the suspects came out about a year after the murders because authorities said, hey, by the way, we are looking for information on these, this Wagner family, including uh, business interactions, conversations that they may have had with people before they moved to uh, Alaska, et cetera. It seems like, as you said, they planned this thing pretty meticulously. There's evidence that this family studied the layouts of all the victims' properties, as well as their habits, routines, sleeping locations, pets. The indictments in the case accuse this family of tampering with phones, cameras, a gun silencer, shell casings, parts of a home security system. Now, the other interesting aspect of this was that each of these four properties where the families were killed, they all had some sort of marijuana growing operations. Sorry, three of the four places. And the assumption was early on, investigators were, were right to think this, this may have had something to do with drugs. And that's why the fear was running through those neighborhoods and those communities that perhaps this was uh, some cartel action, some some drug hit coming in to uh, to take back what the drug cartel may have thought was rightfully theirs or something crazy like that. But that's a perhaps the least surprising. And you know, as another weird thing, this girl, one of the victims, Hannah, she was 19. She had two kids. One of them was three at the time. Mm -hmm. So she had pregnant at 15. Well, 
Yeah the, yeah, the girl that she shared with Jack was three at the time, and she had another one that was days old when she was uh, when she was killed. It is Wednesday, uh, which means what you watching Wednesday? Oh, I started a new show last night. As a matter of you fact, you did what? Which one? I'll tell you when we come back. Oh, the suspense. Also, there's a new baby in the, in the reality TV world to tell you about. Oh no! Oh yes, I know. Like you know what? We shouldn't say that. That was going <laughs> to sound so mean. Uh, what you watching Wednesday? We come back Poor to little Gary thing. and We're giving away $1,000 coming up in a few minutes. Hey, have you seen this story that's making the rounds this morning about this woman, this real estate agent from Dallas who went to Mexico to get plastic surgery? Yes. And they screwed it up. Yes. And now she's like on life support. Yeah, because they put the, the uh, what do you call anesthesia. it? Anesthesia. Anesthesia in her back and it went straight to her noodle. Well, they left her under for several hours because the doctor was running late, I guess. Anyway, brain swelling vegetable most likely status but the family has set up a gofundme page because she doesn't have insurance guess how much it's raised i don't more than seventy thousand dollars we have people here when you need when you want plastic surgery don't go to mexico why not and don't go to a motel those are my two rules where did you get yours done? Easy. Hey, it's time for What You Watching Wednesday. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. So what did you start? All right. Last night, my wife and I started watching Homecoming. I was going to say, the, the Julia on, Roberts show. On Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a podcast called Homecoming, which I didn't I've, I didn't see that until today when I was looking into the show. It's based on a, a, a Homecoming podcast by producer uh, Sam Esmail. It's supposed to be very bingeable and very uh, thriller-y. Here's, here's what the thing. I th- here's what I think people have learned, the producers that are doing these shows for Netflix and for Amazon and Hulu, etc. A 30-minute episode? It's perfect. Agree. These are 30, 31, 32 minutes apiece. We caught the first two of them last night. Um, it, it's basically Julia Roberts is a plays Heidi Bergman. She's a caseworker at something called the Homecoming Transitional Support Center. So it's for veterans coming back from deployment, and she's just a counselor and sits down and asks nice, simple questions. But But there's something odd about it. You're not quite sure if they're there on their own. On their own, do they volunteer to be put there? And what's the end result? Because she's working for this really strange character played by Bobby Cannavale, who's out and about, and you're never quite certain what the, this transition center is supposed to be. Plus, there's some time jumps in it. Not like Westworld time jumps where you're dealing with like six different parallel timelines. It's that a few years after... She quits her job at this homecoming transitional center. The Department of Defense is investigating it. 
So it's very clear when they cut to the time jump forward and this DOD investigator finds her and asks her questions, and she claims to not remember mm. what she was doing at this place. Interesting. So, um, if so is she part of the maybe nefarious I, reasons or was she not? Who knows? Uh, what did your wife think? Uh, it's good so far, but the thing is we're to the point only two episodes in. We, right. You're on the bubble. Know, each end, the end of each episode leaves you with just enough of a hook where you go, well, I got to find out where that's going. Okay. So you'll start the next one. So we got two in. The, the one actor that you might recognize is uh, Julia out, Roberts. Outside of Julia Roberts and Bobby <laughs> Cannavale, Dermot Mulroney is in this. But a guy named Jeremy Allen White plays one of the uh, the uh, veterans who comes back. He was in the, the show Shameless forever as Lip. Uh, you'll you'll recognize him right away. Great. I think he's one of the great actors. Well, the Today Show has rebounded a bit rating ratings-wise following the dismissal of Megyn Kelly. It looks like the key demo of the Today Show viewership is up about 10%. Is that because she, she left? Or is it because Nobody there was so her. much publicity about her departure that everybody said, they still do the Today Show? I don't think. And then t- tuned in. I don't think she was likable. And, oh. But is that the, I don't know. That To me, that's a weird thing that just because she left, the, the, the ratings are going to jump 10%. Um, Nobody liked her. That's the problem. Speaking of, are you watching This Is Us? You haven't I mentioned haven't it at watched, all. Yeah, I am watching it, but it was off last week, and then last night was the episode, but I didn't watch it yet. I'll, I'll watch it today. This Is Us and the Connors both hit their lowest uh, adult ratings ever yesterday. You know, they I, were, I they would, were the two top scripted shows of yeah. the night, but they had their lowest ratings. You know, I kind of didn't have it in me to watch it last night, and I don't know if that's just because I'm tapped out of the whole feeling things yeah. department. Uh, I was just kind of I wasn't eager to watch it. Usually, I'm eager to watch it, and I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to get into that. Uh, the thing that I think will be interesting this weekend, of course, is that Monica Lewinsky story that we were talking about in terms of A and E is opening a docu-series called The Clinton Affair, where she gave 20 hours of interviews about her relationship with the president, about, I think most importantly, the aftermath and what she's been doing for the last 20 years. Because this woman has lived an entire life, I don't want to say out of the spotlight, but has, I mean, she's she's got a master's degree. She has opened and closed businesses. She's been doing uh, purses, right? She she did purses, purses for a while, handbags. Uh, she did all kinds of stuff. And now this idea that she's going back, she's, I think, six months younger than me. I think she, her birthday's in July, June or July, but also 1973. And that blows my mind to think that all of her, her relationship with her, with the president happened when I was also 21, 22 years old. Yeah. It, again, that's one of those things where time just doesn't seem to have gone as fast as I think it should. Well, we've got a reality show baby that is in the oven. Mm. Ari is having a baby with Lauren, the blonde, the one that he broke up with the other one for. What was her name? <laughs> God, it's know. hard. <laughs> what is her name? Oh, it doesn't Becca. matter. Oh, Becca, you're Becca. right. Becca. Yeah. Um, now, that baby... Easy. The baby did nothing wrong. The baby's done nothing wrong. The baby is... The baby's... That baby... going to be very popular on Instagram. I think within 18 months, that baby has a higher IQ than both parents combined. Agree. 
We'll come back. We're going to update the fires and talk more about easing the logging rules, what the governor is now saying about that, next on The Gary and Shannon Show. Well, I don't know what I don't know, so I kick my shoes off and run. Wednesday, November 14th. In a few minutes, we're going to talk more about uh, the fire, some of the secondary stories, one of them being Governor Brown is proposing easing some of the logging rules in the state of California in an attempt to uh, thin our forests out just a bit. There have been so many restrictions on what we can do with wood and not with wood. Uh, And environmentalists are now mad because the guy that they held up as one of their deities is suggesting that, in fact, we should... uh, Maybe we should think about pulling some of that dead wood out of these forests. A third body has been recovered in the Woolsey Fire Zone in Agora Hills. Uh, We don't have any other additional details, but this uh, is about five days after I think those first or the only other two bodies were found inside a burned car on Mulholland Highway. This thing is 97,000 acres now, the size of Denver. There was another flare-up near Point Magoo Naval Base early this morning. They're saying their containment is at 47% and that this thing has eaten away through at least 480 structures, many homes. Uh, The Camp Fire, the one burning up in Northern California, is at 135,000 acres containment, still only 35%. And this number is unbelievable. Not just the fatalities, the 48 civilian fatalities with a couple hundred people still missing. The single residences destroyed, 7,600 homes destroyed. That's on top of the 260 different commercial buildings that were destroyed. I shared on Facebook a few minutes ago the uh, video, this drone footage from a Sacramento television station. I mean, any of the drone footage that you found from from Paradise is devastating, but it looks uh, like an atomic bomb went off uh, up in that area. I have an update. Yes. Uh, The number of missing. Remember, we told you last hour they were going to put out a list. It looks like they've done that. And the number of missing up there is at 104. Uh, Monday, that number was 228. But the number of missing now, 104. The oldest person on the list is 95 years old. The youngest is 21. But the majority are senior citizens. The list can be found on the Butte County Sheriff's Department website. There was a story that I saw yesterday of a guy who's in his 50s who lives with his mom who is invalid in paradise. She's bedridden, barely communicates. She has a 26-year-old caregiver there as well. So basically three generations in what amounts to a double wide. I mean, it's not a very high-end home. And the guy was explaining that his mom didn't want to leave. Yeah. And he's not going to leave mom there. Right. So he and the caregiver stood with garden hoses out on either side of their home, protecting the home against the fire, which raises the question. You're in a place where you are under a mandatory evacuation. There are 50 to 100 foot flames whipping around your house. But mom says she doesn't want to go. Yeah. You know what? what I'm, I'm looking at this missing persons list. And there are so many members of the same 
family. Like, here's one family. And it looks like this is a parents and a kid's situation, like you were just describing. Joseph Carmack, Evelyn Carmack, in their 70s and 80s, and then Richard Carmack, 63, Stacy Carmack, 45, all on that missing list. Um, then you've got the Walkers. Joyce is 84. Robert is 60. You're seeing this a lot. I, and I wonder, of that 100-plus people who are still on that missing list, there's there are plenty of them, hopefully, who are just holed up with friends or family or even in that tent city like we were talking about at Walmart, and just they don't even know necessarily that someone has reported them missing. And they just haven't been able to to uh, to check in and prove that they're they're okay. Yeah, and some of these people, you know, it, their age isn't really – nobody knows. You know, maybe, uh, yeah, we know that guy. He was in his 70s because that's the list, that, or that's what's listed here. Some some people have uh, specific ages, 71, 66, 34. Some say 80s, 70s, maybe in the 90s. I couldn't tell you the ages of my neighbors. No, me neither. One of the uh, one of the issues that is going to be discussed in the aftermath of this, once we get everything uh, put down in terms of the flames, is the questions about Pepperdine University. Pepperdine University had a shelter-in-place order for more than a thousand students on campus last week, even though everyone around them had been ordered out under mandatory evacuations for the city of Malibu. So there are questions now of whether or not. That was a good idea because when you shelter in place and you've got a thousand students, college students and staff members on campus, you've got fire resources that are going to ring that campus and make sure that the fire doesn't encroach upon the buildings there and are a danger to the people who are sheltering in place. And some people in Malibu are saying that by doing that, by by making those people stay on campus, the fire resources were actually used there when they could have been in other places defending other parts of the neighborhoods, other other homes and other areas, canyons, et cetera. And I I don't I don't know why this is going to be. The LA County Fire Department fully supports the plan for Pepperdine University to shelter in place in the event like this. The other issue is those people who did get out, who did choose to leave campus, ended up in Traffic along PCH, and which is one of the worst places you could be. I think that's why they stuck with the shelter-in-place order is because of getting out was a real concern. I mean, that was probably the best option. When you think about it, they they have – there's enough room on the Pepperdine University campus for them to actually have – Areas that are farther away from the wildland. I mean, farther away from those brush fires. Yes, we've seen embers that can travel and can actually ignite things that are not close to the open flame. But the, you know, you've got the on-campus apartments, for example, where everyone has to go to the Firestone Fieldhouse. The residence halls and other locations were told to go to the Tyler Campus Center. And that, to me, makes sense in that you don't need a flood of people coming from Pepperdine University, pouring out onto PCH, no matter which direction they were going to go, they were going to cause more traffic problems. And for people who were on PCH, they talked about, you know, sitting in traffic for two hours to go five miles. Normally, a drive of an hour and a half, it took seven hours for people to to evacuate Malibu in some areas. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, yes, I, I don't have a problem with reviewing the policy, but... 
it worked this time. Yeah. And it worked in previous fires. A half dozen other fires that have encroached upon the Pepperdine campus. It's worked in every one of those cases. All right. Coming up next, we will dig into a possible change in logging rules here in California. But first, your chance at $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword BILLS to 200, 200 You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BILLS to 200, 200. Don't forget, if you win, they'll let you know before the top of the hour. you got to answer that phone to win the $1,000. Otherwise, there's another chance an hour from now, sometime between 12.05 and 12.20. We have a chance once an hour, as a matter of fact, from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show here on KFI. Gary and Shannon. Was it Ireland Baldwin who was the target of the fat pig comments? You are a rude, thoughtless little pig. Well, I am going to have to agree with him. She took to social media yesterday to go after police officers who were protecting her neighborhood. She said, yesterday I spent all day long trying to get back to my place in Malibu to gather a couple things before the winds were expected to pick back up. An officer at a backway entrance to one of the main canyons that'll take you over to Malibu stopped us, refused to let us in because I don't have my Malibu address on my ID. Not only was he a D, she wrote it out, but he had zero compassion and he literally accused us of being looters and threatened us that we were going to be arrested if we kept giving him trouble. So I'm going to let you know just how I feel about what a rude little pig you really are. Exactly. I mean, the officers are there to protect your stuff. If you don't have that address on your ID, don't be surprised. They're doing their job, you dumbass. And then leveling uh, Ireland Baldwin. Hmm. Hey, uh, the story out of politics, we'll get to this in Swamp Watch a bit, but House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, the uh, congressman from the Bakersfield area, has been elected to lead Republican minority in the next Congress. So he'll be the minority leader, it looks like, where uh, Nancy Pelosi, if, you know, depending on how things go, and we'll talk about that in Swamp Watch, uh, Nancy Pelosi would probably be the Speaker of the House once again. Following the uh, fires that we've been telling you about, obviously the Woolsey fires now at 97,620 acres, there's an investigation into yet another death. They believe that there is a fire-related death in a home in Agoura Hills on Lobo Canyon Road. They haven't officially connected it yet, but they are definitely looking at it. That stands in comparison to the 48 confirmed fatalities of the campfire up in Paradise, 135,000 acres and 35% containment. Just a brief note here. Uh, Apparently, the L.A. County Sheriff's Deputies Union is upset. The union president saying that deputies assigned to the Woolsey Fire are not being relieved of duty after 16 to 26-hour shifts, even while other deputies are waiting in parking lots without an assignment. It's odd. He says firefighters are doing a great job, but they rely on the deputies to keep the looters away, keep the roads safe. Sheriff's Department says it's looking into the matter. Well, you don't like that. No, but they'll it's figure like a it out. It's Draymond Green KD fight. You know, you don't want upsetment. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh-huh. Draymond Green. I learned it from Ann Carlo. 
your metaphors. Listen, one of the things that uh, the governor did a couple of months ago was talked about changing logging rules that would allow landowners to cut down larger trees and build some temporary roads without obtaining permits as a way to actually thin forests around California. This is not in response to the fires we've seen. This was actually back in August that he was talking about this. This was during the Mendocino Complex fire that they were talking about this. Uh, The proposal would probably be the most significant change or one of the most significant changes to the state's timber harvesting rules in the past 45 years or so, uh, opposed by many environmental groups, but has the support, of course, of the timber industry. Now, part of why this is an issue and part of why we need to talk about this is because the president's uh, because of the president's tweet over the weekend where he was talking about how we in California specifically have grossly mismanaged what we do with our forests. And, the you know, the union that represents the firefighters came out and said it was insulting, that it was reckless. Uh, other critics have come out and said, listen, the federal government is the owner of the vast majority of forest land here in California. True. And the president said that our fires are due to our forest mismanagement. So you have to figure out what is it that we can do? Rich Gordon is the president of the California Forestry Association, one of the timber industries. And he said it's just very clear. There's too much vegetation. Smokey the Bear told us we can't cut down the trees. We have to prevent forest fires. We shouldn't thin, but we need to protect the trees. When you look back 100, 150 years ago, there were an estimated 40 trees an acre. Gross generalization, but just to, to keep it in mind, there were about 40 trees per acre. Today, there are hundreds of trees Per acre. So, yes, I mean, if Rich Gordon does represent the timber industry, which would like to get its grubby little hands on all that wood and turn it into products that people can buy. But when you've got the chief of Cal Fire agreeing with the timber industry saying our forests are way too thick, whether it's a private land, whether it's public land, state owned, federal owned, whatever, it's over stocked it's we have not been in there enough with in some cases just simple chainsaws to thin out some of the dead and dying trees one of the arguments has been that the change in rules would allow loggers to cut large redwoods on the coast in wetter forests that aren't going to burn and and other trees as well some of some of them over 100 years old without enough oversight well why don't they write in Zones where you can't cut down the old redwoods or the older trees, right? Well, now that are not in fire areas, right? But now you're ascribing logic to the state legislature. Ah, so my bad. Don't know if that's actually going to work. Now, the legislature did this year authorize a couple hundred million dollars a year for the next five years, so basically a billion dollars to be spent on these forest management activities. So, the idea, of course, that that we're doing nothing is not true. We have done some of this, and in fact, Governor Brown, even though he's been opposed by environmental groups, has been one of the people who has said, we've got to change these rules. For example, private landowners would be able to cut down a tree up to 36 inches in diameter. There was a rule that said if it was 26 inches in diameter, you had to leave it. Yes. But if it's you've got a smaller property, 300 acres or less, you can cut down those trees 36 inches in diameter without a timber harvest permit from the state. Imagine if you live in a place like Tahoe. Right. Where you buy a beautiful property that's got 
incredible lake, mountain view, whatever it is, mm. and you're told that on your 12-acre plot of land, you cannot cut down that tree, even though it died about seven years ago because of a bark beetle infestation, but you can't cut it down even though it's a threat to your house and property because it's uh, 27 inches in diameter. You cut it down anyway. Yeah, and then somebody comes and takes your property away from you. I don't think they'd do that. Well, you have a very optimistic view of humanity. You are a rule follower. Yes. I am not. If there's a tree that's going to be a danger to my house, I don't give a crap what anybody says. It's coming down. I can tell by your choice of clothing today you're not a rule follower. What does that mean? I don't know. It It doesn't even make any sense. Oh, yeah? Those shoes don't make sense. All right. Wearing open-toed shoes with talons like that? Girl, get Um, get thee uh, to a podiatrist. I would like you to look at my perfectly... Done toenails and retract that. We're not not doing this right now. Okay. (laughs) Break. All right. What are you, Kate's? Sure. All right. Coming up. (laughs) Private firefighters. How does it work? With some uh, insurance companies, they send out private firefighters to take care of big ticket homes. And then there are the rich people that call in the firefighters. We'll let you know how it all works when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. are still our top story, the Woolsey Fire, burning in L.A. and Ventura County, 97,600 acres, about 47% containment, investigating now what they believe is a third fatality, this one in the Agoura Hills area. The campfire burning up in the Paradise area is now 135,000 acres, 35% contained, but 48 fatalities, and they said 7,600 homes destroyed. 104 people still missing up there. They put out the names and the ages of those people, many of them, and we knew this was coming, are in their 80s and 90s. A lot of family members uh, missing. Some of uh, those families, four four people, three people to a family, just wiped out. Uh, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke has canceled plans that he had to travel to Asia. He's going to be in California today and tomorrow to visit some of these sites. Uh, Outside of fire coverage, and we'll talk more about this in Swamp Watch at 1230, Florida Governor Rick Scott, who has been running for Bill Nelson's Senate seat, also because he's the governor has been watching over all of the election recounts. He has finally recused himself from the election certification process. So he will not have anything to do with uh, after the recounts are made, whether or not he certifies the full election. Well, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West got a lot of press coverage for the fact that they paid for private firefighters to protect their $60 million home in Hidden Hills. They were evacuated under mandatory state orders And their home still stands. Insurance companies like AIG do provide wildfire mitigation services that allow certain clients, I'll let you guess who, uh, (laughs) to reduce risk and save themselves in the event of a worst case fire scenario. Um, They have a AIG's got a private client group's wildfire protection unit. 
It's made up of AIG employees who are certified through state or local authorities. So AIG essentially has its own firefighting group. They protect homes with flame retardants. They respond to fires and map homes in real time as wildfires approach. The um, They're saying that the group, the policy group, the ones who would qualify for this protection, occupy 42% of the Forbes list of the 400 richest Americans. Wow. So clearly multi, multi-millionaires and billionaires who would qualify for this. Um, but you think about this. If, you know, and not to give... Kim and Kanye a whole big, uh, I don't know, commercial here. But let's assume their home is worth $60 million. I think that was the the number that I saw, $60 million. And their home in Hidden Hills is in a neighborhood. I mean, they're not not out living in the hills with nothing around them they they're in a they're in a neighborhood well and as i read it they're on the edge of the neighborhood yeah. that was closest to the fire so if that fire the fire was most likely to to catch their home first. first and then their home would set off the whole neighborhood right so the these aig guys or whoever their insurance company is the private uh, company that comes in and protects them can do a couple of things. Number one, they can literally apply a fire retardant to your house. We talked about this with Dean Sharp a couple of months ago. We talked about the the importance of new technologies coating the sides of your home with fire retardant, your roof, depending on what it's made of, that sort of thing, to reduce the risk of embers coming in and starting a fire. Maybe the installation of sprinklers, uh, whatever it is. But most importantly, it appears in this instance... They dug ditches, and they they dug clear space. I mean, the ditch itself isn't going to do anything. They, it's the fact that they cleared brush from outside of the property line, out beyond where the fence is, to prevent fire from getting right up next to their home and therefore spreading potentially to the rest of the neighborhood. And that's why the neighborhood, uh, these neighbors are so thankful for it. But if you're insuring a $60 million home, and I don't know why they need insurance because obviously they can pay for it to replace it right away. But if you're insuring a $60 million home and you had a team of, let's just say, 12 people that came out there as this fire suppression unit just for that property, and you had to pay them for, I don't know, a week, two weeks worth of work, and you paid, let's assume you paid each one of these guys fifty grand for one week's worth of work, which was just sitting, babysitting that home and making sure it didn't catch fire, that's $600,000. $600,000 compared to rebuilding a $60 million home. That makes perfect sense. AIG isn't the only insurance company. There are many that have these firefighting squads. Pure is uh, one of them. Their service is offered as part of a client's regular insurance payment, and it includes proactive fire risk consultations, installation of spe- uh, sprinklers, and the application of fire retardants. You know, it would be worth talking to Dean again about that. I think we talked to him when we were out on a remote about this. I yeah, think we were in we're uh, the slide bar. Slide bar, right. But he said that the, this product, I think it was a couple thousand dollars or something like that, uh, is very helpful in these situations, something that you could just have around the house and it's easy to apply and everything. We should get him on about I, that again. Well, I can't tell you how many times in the last couple of days <clears throat> I will stand outside in the backyard and look around. I mean, I have trees in the yeah. backyard more as a privacy thing. Just Because you, know, you guys are crazy. What? 
Well, you need privacy. Oh, right. You know? I don't want neighbors seeing what we mm-hmm. got going on in there. Um, but the number of trees there, and then we're one house away from the end of the cul-de-sac. Like, we live next to the Kardashians right. in, in this instance, to, to use this example. Uh, so it's highly likely that uh, my insurance company's not going to send a private firefighting unit. I bet uh, that this industry will balloon. The, the private firefighting industry. Yeah. Uh, all right. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the local elections. There have been some new counts that were posted last night, which could potentially spell some interesting doom for Sheriff Jim McDonald. Not we doom. knew, yes, doom. Uh, but a couple of other races as well that uh, that we need to update you on. Gary and Shannon will continue. like six people have been arrested up there in the Chico area, looting homes evacuated. Boy, and these are the these are the cream of the crop, aren't Well, they? it's faces of meth is what it looks like. Two of the suspects were hiding inside the home of Paradise with a 45 and drugs. Deputies also found an ATV, an AR-15, and tools the men are suspected of stealing. Fire up there killed at least 48 people. 52,000 people are still out of their homes. Well, nowhere to go back to. We, uh, yesterday, as a matter of, not yesterday, that last week, I guess you'd say, we are uh, still reeling from the election, if you want to call it that. It seems like it was so far, uh, so long ago, but we've seen numbers continuously updated since election day. And a couple of the races locally where things have flipped since election night include the race for L.A. County Sheriff. Retired Sheriff's Lieutenant Alex Villanueva is now expanding his lead against Jim McDonald. He's up now more than 22,000 votes based on the latest tally that was released last night. Uh, uh, McDonald trailed Villanueva by just 500 votes after election night. And then... That margin was reduced to just 300 votes last Friday. And then the most recent tallies come from vote by mail and provisional ballots that were turned in on Election Day. So that expanded Villanueva's lead by 22,000. Jim McDonald wildly liked and respected the incumbent. This was a bit of a shock. He did not do much campaigning here. And it looks like this was all about the Democratic vote. Uh, Democratic Party groups tried to paint him as a conservative, uh, somebody who supports ICE and uh, someone who supports the Trump administration and and their goals. Jim McDonald denying the claims as he's been both a registered Democrat and a Republican throughout his life and that he's uh, he's politically independent. He says, (laughs) as a police executive, you should be nonpartisan. Politics shouldn't play a role in who is the sheriff. It just shouldn't. He did um, say McDonald did say he's still optimistic because there are still listen to this number. Six hundred and eighty six thousand votes left to be counted. Oh wow. How are we how are this is twenty eighteen. How is it that I can have Yeah, it shouldn't be a, a group full uh, or a, a room full of elves hand counting these things. I can have the, the Library of Congress in terms of the amount of information that's available to me on my phone. 
in a moment's notice. Within minutes, I can log on to live cameras in the South Pole to see what's going on with penguins. But we can't count votes faster than this? I mean, when we get into Swamp Watch and we talk about what's going on in Florida, they're talking about machines overheating in Florida as they recount these paper ballots. How can we be caught in the 1800s still when we're doing our vote tallies? Orange County DA Tony Rakakis gave the go-ahead yesterday for DA-elect Todd Spitzer and his transition team to start meeting with top prosecutors and take over that office. It's going to happen in January, but you've got to get all your ducks in a row beforehand. Of course, Todd Spitzer beating out Rakakis, the incumbent. His lead at, his lead grew yesterday to 6.6%. Uh, Rakakis not issuing a formal concession, but said... In a statement, in the coming weeks, the office will be working with the new administration to transition the operations in a smooth and efficient manner. This was a mudslinging race. It was just insane between Rakakis and uh, Spitzer. So is this just Rakakis being a bad sport here? The fact that he's not conceding this race? He's not conceding it, but he's opening up the office doors for Spitzer to to come on in. Spitzer has hired... Pat Dixon, who used to run major crimes at the L.A. County D.A.'s office, oh, yeah. who retired as a vice chair of the team to go in there and, and put together his his leadership team. Uh, Melanie Eustace is on the team as well, is, uh, chief of staff currently for Todd Spitzer well, and look John who Thomas. Else. I've, John I've heard Thomas. of him. I know, know that him. Guy. He's our friend. Jenna Lee Brown, our communications director, all of those members of uh, the transition team. And then finally, one last race where we got some numbers in yesterday Uh, Democrat Christy Smith has taken the lead over state assemblyman Dante Acosta. Thousands more votes were uh, put in yesterday. Dante Acosta, the Republican from up in the Santa Clarita area, led by 1,200 votes the day after the election. And then that went down to 213 votes uh, on Friday. And the latest update puts Christy Smith ahead by 1,700 votes. That would give her 50.6%. Uh, and there's still, like I said, still plenty of votes to be counted in these races. But uh, if that's the case, that's more than enough for Democrats to have what? The what? The big S word in that state legislature, the big supermajority. <laughs> we don't pay enough. <laughs> you okay? One of the in-laws getting to town. So that's a funny story. <laughs> oh no! He's, here comes the lunacy. So we have uh, we have her parents coming into town. Probably, I think on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday! Tuesday. Uh, that's not even it's, it's okay. Uh, Thoroughly, and then uh, that's nice. How long are they staying? The in law, the the brother, which the, the mom and dad probably until Monday. Almost a full week. Almost a full week. Uh, and then the brother-in-law and his wife and kids were going to be there on Tuesday as well, sometime Tuesday afternoon, evening. Uh, but they live in an area currently affected by fire. Oh. And they asked last night if they could come in early because of the air quality how, how early? in their home. Like Saturday or Sunday. Wow. That's a lot of people in your house. It's you- not, I'm not worried about the people. I'm not worried about the bodies. What, what are you worried about? The conversation. Yeah, how's that going to go? So today at dinner, we have already mapped this out. My wife and I are going to Safe spaces in conversation? We're going to sit down, and we're going to come up with a list of activities that you can do in our neighborhood. This is like like a cruise ship. The park? Yeah. Um, 
we could go fly a drone. We could uh, go play mini golf. Could talk politics. Could go bowling. Politics very low on the list. Uh-huh. Very low on the list. Um, there, so we're going to come up with a list of activities, perhaps, um, including the, the the fierce Brosnan show that's coming up next week as a possibility in terms of family activities. Yeah, that's always my struggle. Is I don't know what to do with people. You know, you need to find something for for us. It's going to be we need to find something where everybody's looking the same direction. Like we're all, all watching agree. a show. We're all watching a movie. We're all looking at Descano Gardens. We're all doing something. As opposed to sitting around a table and looking at each other for a week. Yeah. You never know what could happen. I could I would just suggest uh, wine. OK. That's my suggestion. That's it. <laughs> it smooths things out. Gonna need more then. <clears throat> All right, coming back, we're gonna do our trending stories. The CIA is looking I just at can picture your whole family like flying a drone for like six days. It's out there. Out there oh, where are we chairs. gonna go with the drone today? Watch it. I'll see if I can crash it this time. Uh, the CIA talking about using truth serum on some of the uh, post 9/11 detainees, and then in the one o'clock hour, our friend Mike Baca from Chico is gonna update us on the campfire burning up in paradise. Coming up on Gary and Shannon. Shannon. Your chance at $1,000 coming up. Bottom of this hour, there's a lot to get to in Swamp Watch. We have uh, the incoming new senators and uh, members of the House who have shown up to get sort of their orientation, their freshman photos in the uh, state, uh, the nation's capital. Also talk about this recount going on in Florida where these machines are overheating because they're being asked to, you know, count votes. So, a bunch of that stuff coming up. But first, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, cities throughout California that are far from the flames of the Woolsey Fire and the Camp Fire are still dealing and feeling with the uh, effects of the smoke. Uh, Public health emergency in California due to the wildfires. Just terrible air quality. Federally declared. Health and Human Services Secretary declared this public health emergency, which is crazy. There were also videos we've seen of, listen, the vast majority of California is not dealing with these fires. But the impact, I think, is so enormous that it's hard to perhaps wrap your head around how much smoke there is, specifically from that campfire, because... The one here, you know, L.A. and Ventura counties, for the most part, the smoke has been blowing out to the ocean and it hasn't been an issue. Yes, there are plenty of places that are dealing with it. But when you're talking about the campfire, 100 miles inland, blowing all the way down to the San Francisco Bay Area and causing the cancellation of school in some of those areas. Uh, Reading of 50 is good air quality. Anything under a 50, good. Um, Moderate is 50 to 100. Bad air quality is 100 to 200. And anything higher is considered very unhealthy or hazardous. 
Oakland had a reading of 164 yesterday. San Francisco, 167. So bad air quality. And then you look at Gridley. Gridley, which is about 30 miles from the campfire. The reading was at 392. What do you do? You just drive north to Red Bluff or Redding and try to sit it out, and hopefully the smoke doesn't make it up there. You just got to put one of those masks on and stay indoors, I guess. Did you hear about the mother of Satan explosive cash found in a home in Florida? Do you mean triacetone triperoxide? Absolutely. You're oh. good with your chemicals. Wow. They arrested this guy named Jared, 37 years old, in Lake Helen, Florida. Police got a tip that he had a bunch of explosive stuff in his house, and yeah, that's where they found the... Crystal powder called the Mother of Satan by Tri- groups like Al-Qaeda. Huh. Triacetone triperoxide. It was used in the 2017 Manchester bombing, the 2015 Paris attacks uh, by the shoe bomber in 2001. Uh, he told this- police he was trying to make homemade fireworks. I really like blowing things up. I discovered a passion for model rockets when I was a boy. And when those model rockets weren't enough, I decided to get into triacetone triperoxide. Uh, police tweeted, if you heard a boom in Lake Helen, that was us detonating one of the items. All good. There will be more booms. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> well, of course. And someone in Florida says, oh, of course there's going to be more booms because we're in Florida. Odd story of a ballet dancer found dead in a lake in rural Missouri. 23 years old, Rafaela Stroik, found this morning in Mark Twain Lake her uh, abandoned car nearby. The highway patrol there said that uh, the the investigation began when a park ranger found her car on a boat ramp parking lot. They checked again on Tuesday. The car was still there. Investigators determined that she had been missing and they helped out in the search. They found, um, she was last seen, they said, at a Whole Foods just outside of St. Louis, but uh, found her dead in this lake. A member of the St. Louis Ballet Company. Nobody knows why. Hey, some El Chapo news. You haven't heard of El Chapo oh, in a while. Play the thing. Play oh. the thing. El Chapo. Uh, well, <laughs> needless to say, his his New York trial is going to cause headlines for the next couple of weeks. And uh, perhaps the most interesting is that his defense attorneys are saying he's just a patsy. He's not the guy who's in charge <laughs> of all of this. He's just a victim just like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Poor Juan. Sorry, Joaquin. Poor Joaquin. Well, we've all been there before, haven't we? We're at a McDonald's. We have a a bunch of tasty, salty fries in front of us, and we're like, oh, ketchup. And we get up and we go to the ketchup thing, and there's no ketchup packets. I get it. That's a trying time. But you cannot assault a manager over a lack of ketchup packets, and apparently that's what happened in Santa Ana. The attacker entered the McDonald's from an employee back door about 11 p.m. and asked for the ketchup. The store manager said, you cannot, ma'am, you cannot be here in this building. We're closed. The suspect then pushed, punched, and choked the victim. For ketchup? Yes. And as you heard me use that pronoun, yes, it's a woman. Quick gas go around, Blake, if you don't mind. I have a quick question for everybody. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Imagine yourself your favorite, your favorite fast food side dish, whether it's McDonald's fries, In N Out fries, maybe it's the cross cut fries from Chick fil A, whatever. It could it's, be onion rings from A&W. It could A&W. be onion rings. Onion I love rings. onion rings. Onion rings. If you. You have whatever your favorite fast food side dish is. I love those. What is the one condiment you need to the point you're willing to choke, kick, and punch the store manager for? Quick follow-up question. Um, Is everything appropriately salted? Is it salted to to my liking? Maybe not. Maybe that's it. Blake, go ahead. You're first. First, what is your favorite fast food side dish? Go. I well, I don't really like. Oh my god, Blake, play the game with us. I don't like condiments. Okay, well then just say nothing. But wait, is chips and salsa a side dish? Sure, sure. Well, it's not really fast food though. Oh god, I don't like. I always go first. You don't give me enough time. Um. Uh. Okay. I would say years. I don't know. I don't know. I get animal Nick. fries at McDonald at, at In and Out, but I don't get it with Thousand Island because Thousand Island's gross. So I love Thousand Island. Wait, you get the animal fries without without the spread? Yes. That's no, so that's because Thousand Island's no. gross. Dude, wait, also, I would. Do you also get the hamburger without the do you meat? You also get a Reuben without Thousand Island. Yeah. Yes, because Thousand Island's gross. Wow. Give me the Diet Coke without the Diet Coke. Yeah. Okay, well, I Nick, didn't order a bottle of Thousand Island. No, 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 shut, shut, shut. Fast food side. All right, uh, I'm gonna go with the animal fries too. If it doesn't have all the stuff that Blake you, doesn't get, you are willing to choke, the kick, one and punch thing on to get. It that I don't and get. if it's not appropriately salted, like Shannon said, Excellent, Shannon. I will, there will be. I can't salt. stop thinking about the A and W onion rings. Onion rings. Onion. Those are good. <laughs> They're so good. So would you put the A and W onion ring ketchup on it too? No. I just have to have them salted okay. to my liking. Salted. Yeah. And you have a very serious look on your face. So you would ch- choke, kick, and punch somebody. <laughs> yes. No salt Got leads it. to assault. I will say the Chick-fil-A crosscut fries are my favorite. Good and rule. if I don't get my Chick-fil-A sauce on what them about, Chick-fil-A crosscut fries. Yeah. That's, dude, what about they're, Tessa? Tessa? Their Polynesian favorite, sauce is Tessa's good. favorite fast food side dish is? Who would you choke someone This over? This body was built by ranch dressing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Visual for all I am with you. I am with you. I'm the only one who can see you. Sometimes Uh, I get uh, foods just as a vehicle for ranch, you know, just so I can put as much ranch in my mouth as possible. Like celery and carrots. Yeah, anything. Chicken tender. I like to add to the ranch, too. Maybe Mm -hmm. throw some hot sauce, buffalo. I'm not opposed to that. Maybe some sriracha. Kick it up a notch. There you go. Hey, uh, if you need some fast food sides, we have $1,000 that we can give away for you. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CASH to 200-200. If you win that $1,000, we'll call you before the top of the hour, but you got to make sure you answer that phone call. There's another chance next hour to win 105-120 sometime in there. And if you don't win, then there's a chance coming up <laughs> Tomorrow, starting at five o'clock, once an hour through the first hour of the Conway Show at six twenty p.m. right here on KFI. Oh, and it's National Pickle Day. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty. I'm at an all time. Blake's getting some heat on social media over not picking a fast food side dish. No, it's the condiment part that makes it difficult. I just don't put condiments on stuff. I don't think we want to hear anymore. Why is it so weird to eat French fries straight? Mm. You've had your chance. 
Do you also eat potatoes uncooked? No, that's not the same thing. You're making metaphors that don't apply. How dry does it get in your mouth when you're eating? I'm a highly salivacious person. Oh, no. no, can we not? Shut your mic off. Can we not? Let's talk about truth serums. Please. At the bottom of the hour, by the way, we're going to get into Swamp Watch. But these truth serums, uh, we had to pull out of what was going to be a Swamp Watch stack because it's fascinating. The CIA considered using a drug it thought might work like a truth serum uh, and force terror suspects to give up information about potential attacks. Of course they did. Listen, CIA, you don't need a truth serum. Give them a couple bottles of Chardonnay. Okay, no, not the same thing. Kind of. Not the same thing. After months of research, the CIA decided that a drug called Versed, a sedative often used to treat uh, anxiety, was possibly worth a try. But in the end, they decided not to ask government lawyers to approve its use. I like the way that sentence is written by the Associated Press. In the end, the CIA decided not to ask government lawyers to approve its use. That doesn't, it doesn't say, say they, say they didn't, didn't use it. it. Yeah. It just says they didn't ask permission. <laughs> now, they call this program called uh, Project Medication. And it was at one point in a classified report, the ACLU sued to get this out. And they eventually provided it to the Associated Press so that they could figure all of this thing out. Now, they were. this was immediately after the September 11th attacks when we as a country were struggling, perhaps, <laughs> with – Enhanced interrogation. And the reason I'm, I say perhaps is I think a lot of people are very happy with the fact that we were beating the crap out of bad people and asking them questions that would perhaps save the lives of more and more people. Yes. Now, well, the way they talk about this is the CIA decided against asking the Justice Department to approve these drug-assisted interrogations because they're – the doctors, the psychologists, the PAs, the nurses, those that work with the CIA would have had some significant ethical concerns about whether or not there is a benefit to technically harming someone in an attempt to save other people's lives. So waterboarding, OK, anti-anxiety medication, not OK. Well, see, that's the old. That's you know, the, if you're going to do ethical uh, arguments, then it doesn't really hold water considering other interrogation tactics. I don't have a problem with this. This is I don't and either. And I think to point out that the way the the AP wrote that I think is important. Let's assume the CIA did something called Project Medication, where they did research the possibility of using midazolam as a way to get people to tell the truth, and then decided against asking government lawyers to approve it. Then the CIA, all they have to do is go, well, you know, I mean, we looked at it, but really we didn't bother with it. And in the background, the whole time, they used it on everybody. There's a chance they used it left and right. They put peanut butter and my Dazzleam sandwiches together to try to get these guys to tell the truth about what was going on and whatever terror They're plots the were planned. CIA. That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, okay, I've got a couple of notes on fire information okay. here. Uh, L.A. County fire crews are responding to a brush fire burning near the 5 and Highway 138, Gorman area. Report from the scene indicates the fire is about five acres burning in thick brush. Crews calling for an evacuation of a mobile home park uh, just north of that fire. Uh, we'll see if we can get additional information on that. Also, 
Uh, additional evacuation orders in the city of Malibu will be lifted at 2 p.m., according to fire officials. People will only be able to allow to the area PCH from Carbon Canyon to the east to Webway on the west from the ocean to the northern city limit. The Sarah Retreat and uh, Sweetwater Mesa neighborhoods also reopened to residents only. The two areas that remain closed are the Malibu Colony neighborhood and the Civic Center area. All right. Well, we did not get an update from uh, fire officials today, at least not on the Woolsey fire. They were doing morning updates and they decided against one today. If there is one anytime soon, we'll definitely bring it to you live. So we'll come back with and reiterate those uh, evacuation orders that have been lifted and try to get an update on what they're calling the Copco fire way out up near I-5 and uh, Highway 138 in the Gorman area. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. On this Wednesday, November 14th, at the uh, top of the hour, we're going to do our fire updates. We're going to check in with Mike Baca up in Chico from KPAY. He's been driving around the town of Paradise, what's left of it, and talk to him about what's going on in terms of uh, how these thousands and thousands of people have been evacuated out of their homes, what they're doing, where they are, what they're doing uh, over the next couple of days. Plus, Alex Stone, he's going to join us to talk about what's going on along our fires here in the Woolsey Fire. There was a... Another body apparently found in a burned-out home in Agora Hills. So if confirmed, that would be the third death in connection with the Woolsey fire. And then uh, just got word a few minutes ago of a now second alarm reported in the uh, Gorman area. There's a fire along I-5 near where it meets Highway 138. Uh, They have apparently ordered the evacuation of a nearby Mobile home park, the, the mobile Smoky ho- Bear. Yeah. Smoky Bear mobile home yeah, park. Yeah, you can't make that up. Um, so I've been watching this. They said it's only about five acres right now, but it has slowed significantly, um, and which is great news. I don't know what the wind conditions are up in that area, but this is called, uh, according to them, the Copco Fire because Copco Avenue actually runs parallel to I-5 right there. So we'll see where it started exactly and how it's going to spread, if at all. But there's... Thankfully, outside of that mobile home park, there is not a whole lot out there for it to burn. Well, it, or I should say there's not a whole lot of structures out there for it to burn. It is getting real in Georgia today. It will kick off our swamp watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp watch. Speaking of Swamp Watch and a little cross-connection with the fires. Yeah, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke is in California surveying the damage and is talking to reporters now. Let's see if we can uh, Huge fire. listen in. And i got to tell you, the, the backside of it is got to repair the riparian banks. Uh, a lot of these fires are going to go areas that were previously mined. So you're going to have runoff that's going to have hazardous materials. You're going to have hazardous material runoffs from... From Paradise, that's going to go in the watershed. You have a dam. 
uh, that's sitting there, and the, this is where the federal government and the state government uh, have to work together to address these things. Now, we are in recovery stage, and we're still fighting forest fires out there. There's still an active fire. Uh, we're still looking for people to make sure we have the number of uh, accountability of who's lost. There's a lot going on, um, but as we go forward, we're going to have to face the rainy seasons coming. That's going to set a new set of challenges for us, so you don't have the Montecito uh, issues in there. And the only way to do it is uh, Americans, as Americans, uh, have to stop, uh, step up. It's, it's, we're not finger-pointing here. Uh, we're all in the same, same boat. Uh, everyone loves California. I certainly do. Uh, I want to see, see California thrive. I want to see healthy forests. And uh, I want to go and, and have a steak dinner when the governor retires. Could you elaborate on what you mean by uh, better forest management practices? We've heard a lot about this, but uh, from talking to people who do salvage logging or other small-scale stuff, uh, it doesn't seem to be economically feasible or sustainable for these companies to log. The trees are worthless. Small stuff that's that, that uh, from a management practice, what you want to get out of there, yeah. um, they can't sell. What's the well, answer? How does this work? And please elaborate on what uh, forest proper management practices yeah. You go back, and how did we get here? It wasn't, wasn't a year ago. It wasn't two years ago. This has been decades. Uh, let's give the example here. You had a fire in 2008, still out of underbrush, and you're right. When you have a fire and you don't get salvage operations within the first year, then the timber is a diminishing asset. Then you're actually paying people to remove it rather than having some value. Uh, so we've not been able to do salvage timber to the degree we have. We should be doing prescribed burns late in the season rather than mid-season, controlled burns. We have an enormous amount of dead and dying timber. Some of it was beetle kill, some of it was drought. Uh, I think we, we have really good science. Uh, there are models that are better. You can shred trees when they, when they have mortality. But the density of trees is up. The amount of dead and dying trees is elevated. The temperatures are hotter. The season's longer. We have, a, we have seasonal problems with as far as number of personnel interior can hire seasonally because they're fighting forest fires so long that by the time they're, they're, they're done, they don't have enough man hours to do the prescribed burns. So some of this is administrative. Again, a lot of, of you know, look at Pinchot, you can go back, you look at the German model of the Black Forest. We have really good science, and it is better to use best science, best practices, in order to have a regulatory framework that increases environmental stewardship, safety, and reliability, and predictability. Um, so active forest management is a tool that we should use. Question for FEMA, Hold on a second, uh, Mike. Um, Bianca. Hi, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> as you know, most of our county is out of the house, and a lot of you are actually living in parking lots right now, in the Walmart one specifically. There's rain coming in. What are the immediate plans for housing? Um, well, great question. So obviously the first thing that we've got to do is – 
uh, with transitional shelters, getting people out of shelters or, or providing enough mass care space. That's typically done at the local level in conjunction with the state and federally supported. And so we will work with Mark to make sure that um, you've got enough shelter capability, temporary shelter capability, but ultimately shelters are, are kind of a refuge of last resort. It's not an optimal situation, and we realize that. So we work, uh, we continuously work with our partners to also figure out what's available for rent, uh, you know, hotels, motels, and these things take time to put into place. As far as the people in parking lots, I'm not aware of that, you know, the situation, but Mark, do you want to add to that? You want to? So. Our, our one of our priorities is getting people now out of out of the shelters into something we call trans, you know sort of interim. So uh, the administrator is correct. That's going to be hotel availability. That's going to be rental properties. Um, we're going to try to find as many rental properties in the area as possible. But the, the reality is is that there are only limited number of rental properties. So we may have to go out of the county or, or a little further out. We also know that you know this is where families reside and people go to church and other kinds of things, so we want to try to keep them as local as possible. Um, we're working with organizations like Airbnb and other kinds of, of uh, organizations such as that to be able to get space for individuals over a longer period of time. And quite frankly, we're also looking now at, at the possibility of bringing in some sort of a travel trailer or some sort of a, um, a mobile home of some sort um, to be able to, to house folks. That takes a little bit more time. Uh, the first thing people need to do is register with FEMA um, and, and the number that the administrator provided and, and get into the system, and then, um, and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get them placed as soon as we possibly can. We're also working closely with Red Cross and some other non-governmental organizations to ensure that any funds and any support for those individuals can be made available. And, and all of us are expanding to the to total extent all of those programs to make them immediately available. The short of it, though, is they're going to, folks are going to stay in the shelters for a little bit longer until we can get through all that. And we've done a lot of wraparound services. We've got medical teams and other kinds of efforts in those shelters. And we're deeply appreciative of all the folks that have been running those shelters and for the American Red Cross and the Salvation Army uh, and all the volunteers that have been working there. Well, you know, um, there's some folks that are already in the process of, of getting um, assistance and getting placed. Um, and I know that, um, uh, uh, you know, there's no shortage of, of effort trying to get people out of those, those places. It, look, we've tried to get people, we've talked to all the people in the parking lots. Um, it, many individuals are comfortable staying where they're at, and, and uh, we, we don't want to push them into something that they don't want to be in. Uh, but uh, our effort is to try to move as expeditiously as possible to get them out of that environment. Well, one, one thing. Yeah. Go ahead. A follow-up question. Yeah. Mike Murray, yep. Let him finish this off. Uh, you mentioned about being uh, out here trying to get relief for people. Right. For people that have no internet service, for people living in uh, the right. parking lot. How do they find you? So, so let's talk about this. Um, Bottom line is this, is this is a very complex disaster, probably one of the most complex the nation's ever seen when it comes to paradise. And, and here's the thing. First of all, um, there's sensitivities around debris. You can't just remove the debris because we're still looking for, for missing persons, and it takes time. All right, we're to gonna be able to go take a break here. We will monitor the comments coming out of this press availability and uh, bring you anything pertinent. But uh, yeah, quick break here. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. 
just a quick revisit. We were listening to uh, Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, who was at a news conference with Governor Brown a few minutes ago. The majority of what they were talking about had to do with the fire in Northern California, the campfire burning through paradise. And the governor was actually asked a question in that break there about liability, whether utility companies are going to be on the hook for everything we've seen because of the potential for SoCal Edison to have been the what started the Woolsey fire and then PG&E to be the cause of the campfire. Yeah, I, I'm not going to comment on issues that uh, touch on liability. Uh, there's a process. Uh, there will be a lot of people looking at it from an official point of view and also from citizen participation. So uh, everything will be transparent. It will all be aired out. But I think it would not be prudent for me to start offering uh, commentary on uh, difficult issues that we have a process to uh, flush out. Defer. That's a defer. Oh, yeah. Why don't you just say defer? You would have saved everybody 30 seconds of their life. Defer. Anyway, so at the top of the hour, Mike Paca is going to join us. We're going to talk more about that fire in Northern California than Alex Stone soon after him to talk about what's going on with the fire uh, fight against the Woolsey fire. Well, it looks like the Georgia Republican uh, Brian Kemp is saying that results certified by county election officials confirm he has an insurmountable lead in the governor's race. And the, the Georgia Democrats held a competing news conference saying that, uh, I guess, just questioning the legitimacy of the election count. Of course, this is Stacey Abrams on the Democratic side, who's trying to become the first black woman elected governor in the United States. Um, she's she's going to have a hard road uh, in terms of being able to get this thing redone or even recounted. If, if it falls within a certain percentage, like we've seen in most states, there's a chance for it to get an official recount. And then if it falls, if... The If no one gets 50% plus one, then this goes to a runoff, which is another thing that she would love to see. And that runoff would be a few weeks from now, three weeks from now, I think. Um, that's in Georgia. Florida is also dealing with a giant turd show of what's going on in, in, in recounting their, their ballots. Florida's election recount now has teams of lawyers like we've seen. Much of this concentrating on Broward County and Palm Beach County where apparently the world's dumbest people live. This has got to be this is the only way it can be described. The machines are breaking down. They flew in a mechanic to fix the problems. The way, I, apparently there's not one mechanic in the entire state of Florida. When I see that, all I, my image in my mind is a guy getting off a plane. My image is Bruce Willis getting called in to detonize detonate the asteroid. Like no, that no, no. guy no, 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 gets no. off the plane. Imagine this guy. This guy has been living in the Florida Keys... Without electricity for the last 17 years, okay, they put him on a little puddle jumper plane and fly him up to Palm Beach County. He gets off the plane wearing a 20-year-old baseball cap. He's wearing overalls with no shirt on and one single wrench in the breast pocket. That's the mechanic that's been brought in to fix the voting machines in Palm Beach County. Democratic lawyers are asking a federal judge to set aside the state law that mandates mail-in votes be thrown out if the signature on the envelope doesn't match the signature on file. Listen, to I this. ask you, I ask you again. Listen, I've I've been voting for 
17, 27 years of my life. Wow, you're I've been old. voting for 20, shush, listen to me. 27 years of my life. You've if, been voting for longer than Blake's been alive. If I can't figure out That's a old. ballot, I don't deserve to vote. And I'm one who thinks everybody should vote. But if I can't figure out a ballot, maybe we don't count that vote because we don't want dumb people involved in the process. The district judge that's dealing with all this, Mark Walker, decided to cite a Star Trek episode during a hearing today saying, I feel a little bit like Captain Kirk in the episode with the Tribbles where they start to multiply. You've been talking to Ann Carlo, too? (laughs) Uh, the the note out of uh, today is that Rick Scott, who is running to take over Bill Nelson's seat in the Senate, Rick Scott happens to be the governor. He has recused himself from certifying the election results. There was a question about whether or not he would actually certify them if, in fact, it comes out that Bill Nelson wins. He had originally said he wouldn't even certify – only if the Democrat wins, he wouldn't certify them. He has today announced that he would recuse himself from that responsibility. All right. Coming back, fire updates. We'll also have a little bit of fun at the bottom of next hour talking about take your parents to work day. What? Is that a thing? Apparently it's a thing. Is that for like Blake's people? You mean for young people? Yes. Possibly. Coming up next on Gary and Shannon. I like that Gary and Shannon with your chance at $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword LUCK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's LUCK to 200-200. If you win, they'll give you a call. Got to make sure you answer that phone call. If you don't win this hour, you got another chance next hour during the John and Ken Show. In fact, once an hour from 5 in the morning all the way through 620 at night, we're giving away $1,000 an hour. Well, we have been following the stories, uh, not just the Woolsey fire here in Southern California. We'll get an update on that in just a few minutes. But the big fire that has burned uh, through the town of Paradise, the numbers today are staggering. 135,000 acres burned, 35% containment, 7,600 homes destroyed, 48 confirmed fatalities, and the list of missing is over 100 still. Joining us to talk more about this, Mike Baca has been joining us the last several days as we've been trying to make our way and sort of wrap our heads around the uh, the destruction that is uh, that is up there. Mike, you, you've been you've been driving around up there. What's going on? Yeah, t- today I uh, made the made the journey up there, and it's all. There's a couple of things you're seeing. You're seeing uh, search and I don't. I'm I'm not going to call them rescue teams. It's search and recover teams, and also tree cutting services that are up there because you can't go into certain areas because trees are teetering uh, from falling over. They've got burned out, uh, burned out stumps and the trees are hanging on uh, power lines. So those trees have to be cut before you can go in and start and start looking at the homes that might be down this long street leading toward the Canyon and the Eastern portion of paradise. So that's really what you see when you go up there in paradise, at least, is search and recover teams uh, with their cadaver dogs and tree cutting services. Grim stories coming out of the the teams and their search efforts. One of the women on one of the teams 
uh, said that uh, they were they were looking for bones and fragments and things like that. And her thought was to go to the bathroom because if you could find out where the bathroom was by you know looking at the foundation, that that's where she would go if a fire was engulfing her home. Go to the bathroom and then run that water as long as you possibly could. And it just paints a picture of how terrifying these people's last moments must have been. Uh, the list coming out today with 104 names on it, many of these people in their 80s and 90s. Yes. And and we, we've heard instances where neighbors knew they have an elderly person or couple living next door. And there are so many heroes and heroic gestures and just uh, people grabbing these people, picking them up, just putting them in the car and getting them out of there, getting them to safety with nothing but maybe their nightgowns on, but they got them out of there. But uh, there are going to be so many cases here where we see elderly people just had no way of getting out because the fire was uh, was overwhelming. You posted a picture today also of uh, the tents that have shown up in the Walmart parking lot in Chico, which is obviously down the hill from uh, from Paradise. But has that been an issue? I mean, are, where are all of these people going? They are staying right there. They are either sleeping in their cars that they drove, they escaped the flames from. There has been an incredible outpouring of support from people in Butte County. They are bringing tents to those people because Walmart has said there's a there's a massive empty field that's right next to the Walmart in Chico. It's right next to a car dealership, and there's this massive empty field, and Walmart is, owns it. And they said if people want to camp there, they can. So Walmart has brought out uh, porta-potties out there so people can actually camp, and there are food trucks that are serving free food. And there, there's a donation center there. They're actually asking no more clothes because so many people have brought clothes. But they're looking for toiletries, blankets, jackets for cold weather. And it's turning into a tent city right by Walmart. It's, it's amazing. It, it's, it, it's amazing. And it's uh, the generosity being shown is kind of like the hub of where people are. Now, I know there are evacuation centers and people are still there and they're being taken care of. But there's, there's that. <laughs> there's that independent spirit, I got to say, from those people in paradise who are just saying, no, I want to have something that's my own, even if it's my tent. I'm going to I'm going to camp here. And people are we're, people are bringing them food and drinks. Uh, Dutch Brothers set up. a. They, they brought in their portable truck to give free drinks away. So it, it it's amazing to see. What about this is weird to ask this, but what about the weather? Uh, is there a chance we see rain anytime soon, which could potentially disrupt some of the, you know, makeshift shelters? Yes. Yes. It's a good news, bad news scenario. The good news is awesome getting rain. We need it desperately. There's a storm that's expected to move in with light rain on Wednesday and then Thanksgiving and Friday. We're hoping to get uh, more precipitation that would certainly, you know, stop the progression of the fire and help in in containing it. But the the other side to that is there's all these people. They don't have homes to go to. One, they're sleeping in their cars, but other they're in tents. Not many people choose to go camping when it's pouring rain and windy. 
And so that was one of the big, big points of contention today. Wrong word, not contention, but the question that was being asked of Brock Long, the director of FEMA. They just finished a press conference with Governor Jerry Brown, uh, Secretary Zinke, and Brock Long saying, what are you being, what's being done to help for the long-term housing, the transition for these people from these temporary evacuation centers to long-term shelter? And he said, it's a process. We are trying very hard right now to try and get people into their long-term temporary housing, but you've got to sign up for one. Two, we've got to find the space. And so that's the part that people here locally are hoping gets expedited, is uh, get the get the long-term shelter going, because these people need it with the weather about to change. And we have, we have a rainy, usually we have a rainy December or January. So it's, it's got to happen. It's got to happen uh, quickly. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, even when the fire is put out, that's just the beginning of the marathon that these people are going to have to go through in terms of getting back on their feet. It's just, it's, it's yeah. overwhelming yeah. to say the least. Brock, Brock Long today said, we're going to be here for years. We'll be setting up shop, and we'll be here for years to help you rebuild. But it's it's going to be years. And he he emphasized it and said it a few times that um, this is not a quick fix because usually when towns or cities are devastated by a, a catastrophe, I mean nothing on the scale of this. I mean, I, I'd venture to guess it's been a maybe never that a town has experienced the entire infrastructure of a town of 27,000 people is completely gone. So there was an inference today. We're starting with a clean slate. We've got to start everything different. We've got to do, we've got to completely change, uh, completely fix and build up everything new because everything's been destroyed. Mm. Vaca, thank you. Appreciate everything, man. Absolutely. Mike Baca there from KPAY up in Chico. Coming up next, we'll touch base with Alex Stone, who's got the latest on the Woolsey fire. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. It's a Wednesday. It's November 14th. Bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about Take Your Parents to Work Day. Uh, I guess there's a twist on things. Prove to your parents that you actually do have a job. Well, a little bit of good news. Red flag warning set to expire this evening. A bit of fire activity this morning, though, here with the Woolsey Fire. Alex Stone has been on the fire lines and joins us now with the very latest. Alex, what do you know? Hey, guys, it's a completely different day out here today compared to yesterday. There is no wind right now and no fire activity. And you see a lot of work crews that are putting up uh, new poles and running new cables, and firefighters are not racing to to put out flames. I'm back in the Malibu area mainly because Malibu is the only place I can get a cell phone signal. The the, the cell phone signals are out pretty much everywhere else uh, all around the the fire zone. And driving through the, the heart of what was the fire, uh, it is a lot of now the next step, what we see after a disaster, when these energy companies and cable companies and phone companies come in from all over the country. And you see all kinds of different names on their trucks 
as they, they're working on the, the lines and making sure that they clean up all of the, the down power lines. But it's a, a very different scene here today. They're talking about repopulating parts of Malibu after 2 o'clock today, that uh, things look a whole lot better. And you can see when you shut off that wind how much better and how quicker, how quickly it gets better. It's very evident here today. Uh, we are uh, also dealing, unfortunately, with a third body that was found in Agoura Hills. Do we know anything about that or if it's directly connected to the fire? We uh, we don't know a lot about it at this point. Uh, LASD homicide has been uh, working that. It's, uh, it's in the, the, the Agoura Hills uh, mountain area that uh, as you get into the, the mountains with the homes that are up and up the windy roads, it was the body was found in a burned out home. So at this point, the sheriff's department is saying it appears to have been a uh, fire related death, but they don't know much more other than that. The total number is at three right now uh, on this fire, and unfortunately, it, it could end up going up. Uh, but it, 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 we don't see any indications, unlike Northern California, that it's going down that road. I was just pulling up uh, that that body was found on uh, Lobo Canyon Road in the, in Agoura Hills, and at this point, it's a, a death investigation, and they don't know how the person died, but it, it was in a burned out home, and it looks like that it was probably fire related. Saw that there were about six people arrested up in Northern California for looting. Any problems reported down here? You know, nothing that I've uh, seen today. And I, they've been patrolling like crazy, and they, they still are, even though some areas are being uh, opened back up. And we know that there have been reports of people posing as you know, either construction workers or line workers and, and maybe doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And uh, it's always an issue uh, anytime you're in a, a fire location. And, and early on, that there were some arrests that were made and Ventura County, but I haven't seen anything and, and no action uh, in the last couple of days, but that is always a concern, and especially when you're talking about Malibu and Calabasas with a lot of uh, very wealthy folks uh, who have well-known names that uh, the people may target, and the Sheriff's Department is very aware of that as well, and, and they've really been focusing on those areas. Yeah, I mean, we've seen in uh, recent months and years that celebrities are already targeted as it is by these uh by these uh, burglars, so I just wonder if this the same. Yeah, and you know, some of it, some of it, we may not know until the homeowners get back home, and then they realize what went on, unless somebody was caught actually doing it. Uh, but the the sheriff's department, L.A. County, has been all over that, and they've been everywhere. It would have been tough one to to get in, but but two to to pull something off because it is just nonstop patrols going by. But if somebody did. It may be something we learn about after the fact where a, a celebrity or somebody goes home and they find out things are missing. Hopefully not, but uh, they've been working really hard on that. Awesome, Alex. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, guys. And again, a community meeting scheduled for tonight in Thousand Oaks for those affected by the Woolsey Fire. Going to be held at Thousand Oaks City Hall at 630 Looks like there will be a number of people in several different capacities there to handle any questions that you might have. Did you see this? Oh, you mentioned looters. I, I did see I that. Saw this. I saw uh, that picture. Pink, you know the singer Pink. Her yeah, husband Corey Hart, or sorry, Carrie Hart, has uh, put together a uh, an Instagram post of two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve guys, all of them standing with either shotguns or small handguns with a sign that says looters will be shot on site PDC posse and the 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 
caption on the Instagram is, it's unfortunate that some people take advantage of others in a crisis. While the Malibu fires have been burning, some locals have been fighting off and defending their property against the fires. There have been sightings of looters breaking into homes. Well, if you are a looter, think twice if you're heading back into Malibu. Hashtag defend your land. Hashtag Second Amendment. Now, everybody in that picture, it looks like, has their face covered except for one guy, but... He's also wearing a bandana and sunglasses, so you can't necessarily see him, uh, see who it is. I told you about that brush fire in the Gorman area. Apparently, they are starting some evacuations of that mobile home park. Uh, Latest number was five acres, probably a little bit bigger now. Broke out just before noon near the five in Highway 138. The good news is that even if they are evacuating that, uh, that area, they said it's holding there at five to six acres. The strike teams were canceled and the fixed wing aircraft that were called in had been canceled oh, as well. excellent news. So that's all fantastic news. All right, coming back. Strange twist on the take your kids to work day. Take your parents to work day. What is the purpose of this? We'll find out. We'll talk about this when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640. Well, you remember Bring Your Kids to Work Day. Got to see what mom and dad did. It's always a good time. Maybe got to play office. Apparently, Bring Your Parents to Work Day has become a thing. All across the country, parents turning up at offices to see what their adult offspring do all day. There is a, uh, there's a cloud software company down in Santa Monica called Cornerstone On Demand. And Wall Street Journal wrote up the descriptor of what Take Your Parents to Work Day looked like at Cornerstone On Demand. And one of the employees, Christy Gould, said it was almost like we were in a zoo and we were the animals. Parents just standing there watching. (laughs) Well, imagine, listen, uh, my dad worked in in a lab, a chemistry lab for decades at a naval shipyard. Busy, but clearly work going on. I mean, people there, test tubes, machines that go beep, all that stuff. Machines that go beep. And my mom was a teacher for a long time and then an administrator. So clearly, I mean, physical, there's there's work that's going on. You could see what's going on. But when people come in here and you're playing with a PEX pipe and Nick's throwing a ball at Blake's head and there's well, like a and, whole shelf of stuffed unicorns in the office. And, and it's embarrassing, isn't it? I mean, what is there to watch, though, with these kids at software companies? They're just sitting there typing on their computers or true. coding or whatever. There's, not, there's nothing built. No one's building anything. Uh, companies see it as a way to please young employees who are close to their moms and dads. Well, you know what? They say the, the workplace is the new soccer field. Blake's parents have been to our events. Yeah, but those are fun. You know, drinking beer. True, they things. haven't come in to watch. Have your parents have they, ever, Blake? They've never they come have. in to watch you. They've never. They've been here once on a Saturday. Okay, I walked them through just to show them what was here. Right, but they've never been like here while a show's happening. No. Did you introduce them to our stuffed animals? This was like. At the very beginning, I don't think we had accumulated our zoo yet. Can I ask you though? Would this be something that we should try? Should we bring in Pam and John? Your parents, Nick's parents, are closer than than our parents. Um, So I'm 
I don't think my mom would want to sit here for four hours. No, she doesn't have to stay for the whole time. Oh. But, I mean, just to see just what, to see what Blakey does every day. Oh, yeah. It's riveting back here. Now, listen. Um, now, hold on. Hold on. I say that all the time. I, I say that to my wife because she invites people to come watch the show or watch this, whatever this is. And I always am amazed that, I mean, literally, it's it's the two of us in a room talking. You guys are in that room. Tessa's over there. And there's a bunch of people walking around selling stuff outside. I, I don't even know what they do. I could see where it would but... be interesting for five minutes. Yeah, I don't know if I would. I, could, uh, I guess yeah, I could. I wouldn't sit through four hours of this. Oh God! I, no. I could see how someone would be like. Maybe I'd give them like a half hour, or an hour, because we we do it all the time. But I could understand how like the novelty of like, oh, sit in one room for you know a segment or two, sit in the other room for a segment or two. But then after that, I don't know what you would do in here other than bang a pex pipe on your desk. One set of parents turned up at a. I mean, this uh, is why we have toys because. We because need we can't something handle to do. four hours of right. it. <laughs> uh, there's a, a company called Periscope, which is a creative agency in Minneapolis. One set of parents showed up matching T-shirts that said, Josh's dad no. and Josh's mom. No. It's <laughs> classic. That's, that's heinous right there. Can uh, you imagine? Um, bring your parents to work day first caught on at advertising companies like that and tech companies because... For a lot of parents, it's hard for them to envision what it is their kids do at these companies that, in especially tech companies, didn't exist 30 years ago or 25 years ago when their kids were born. So it's it's something that it may be an outreach, perhaps, for the company. But like you said, it's also important for these younger people who are much closer to their parents and probably still living at home – to explain, hey, this is what I do every day. Clark Savage has a daughter who works there at Cornerstone. She's a social media strategist. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And he visited her her workplace during one of these events. I've tried to explain that job to my parents a few times. He said the open plan office with candy dispensers would never work at his own accounting practice. He says I couldn't function or survive. That kind of describes our office. <laughs> For some employees, the thought of having parents wandering around the office is profoundly anxiety-inducing. Yeah. That I love. I love that idea. I mean, I love that that mentality of it. Um, Joanne Pittman, she's 50. She works at a concrete supplier based just outside of Chicago. And she said she was cringing as she was watching her elderly parents walk up to the company president and chat him up. Yeah, I could see that happening. (laughs) If you're 50 and you're inviting your parents to take your parents to work day, is there a problem? I'm not saying there is. I'm just putting the question out there. Have your parents been here? Oh, you're almost 50. And you were talking about bringing your parents in. Your your face just lit up when you said that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. My parents have been here. They've seen me when I was doing the morning show. You know, I've asked my parents, and they, they, I don't think there's any interest. They're like, eh, no. That's because this is your dad's nap time, and he can nap been, time if I, he's sitting here I watching us. I have been to a stadium where they have season tickets, and they have not gone to the games where I've been working the sideline. Ouch. Ouch. My mom and dad, by the way, would come in here and take pictures with every with everyone. Oh, really? They're from Texas. It's like, this would be... The the light well, of their life. That's neat, though. I mean, then you say so, it, but when I bring them, you remember right, how no, neat no, it is. Because they're I mean, going to be in your face. But it, it's nice that they and they probably ask you about it all the time. 
they're totally excited about what it is that you do and that my dad like is probably streaming the show right now. Yeah. Aww. This news does not pertain to him. Well, hey, dad. let me on behalf of Tessa <laughs> invite Tessa's dad in. Good despite old despite whether or not Texas you want to. Folk there you go. Come in here. Bring them it. boots and hats. <laughs> love it. Boots and hats and boots and hats. That's all you all right. got? That's anyway. all Texas is to you? Uh, yeah. Horses. Barbecue? And horses. Horses. Mm, and barbecue. barbecue. And barbecue. And sod poodles. High school football. Did you see that? Amarillo? Yeah. The new minor league team? I was going to get you that t-shirt for your birthday. (laughs) And now it's kind of ruined. Why is it ruined? Because she just said it out out loud. You were going to surprise me Yeah, it was going to be a surprise. You were going to surprise me with a weird minor league baseball name. Yeah. Oh, it's cute of you. I know. That I thought I could surprise you. Would you still want the t-shirt? I'm not going to say no. Okay. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. Looks like officials are looking to bring in mobile homes for all of those people. The thousands of people have lost their homes up there in Northern California. The California Governor's Office of Emergency Services says they're looking into hotels, rental properties to house people. 52,000 people out of their homes. 7,600 homes wiped out. There is is something to be said about the location. I mean, there are uh, a lot of open spaces available there if they were to make... You know, certain uh, properties available. Mike Baca was talking about how this uh, big empty lot next to a Walmart has become sort of a temporary tent city. We'll see how, uh, unfortunately, how temporary it is. They are investigating what could be a third death in Agora Hills from the Woolsey fire. Somebody found uh, in a burned out house. That would be the third fatality. That, of course, compares to the 48 fatalities up in Northern California at the campfire. One of the uh, great stories that we've seen is the number of uh, people who have made themselves available, whether it's uh, restaurant owners who have been cooking for first responders, people who have donated food and supplies, etc. There was a Bill Kerbox got a call Monday night from a friend of his uh, who had a 143-foot yacht. The friend is Howard Light. He is a billionaire entrepreneur. He owns Malibu Rocky Oaks Winery with his son. His boat is worth tens of millions of dollars. Uh, he spent Friday and Saturday trying to save his winery and his other property in L.A. Looks like it destroyed much of his vineyard. But uh, the houses stood, and he says when he was done with that, he felt it was time to give back. So he picked up the phone and made the call, offering up the boat. Yeah, so he he stocked this boat with 3,000 bottles of water, 100 gallons of fuel, shovels, snacks, dog food, and a bunch of beer. And he pulls this thing up to uh, part of Malibu where you couldn't – there there was no access to other, you know um, – there were no access to other relief supplies to come in. So he came in from the ocean and there were a bunch of smaller boats and uh, jet skis, et cetera, surfers that helped ferry that stuff in from the yacht onto shore so that people could actually use the stuff that was there. Small tenders filled with garbage bags full of dry goods. Uh, Sheriff's department boat made sure that everybody was, uh, was getting the supplies to where they needed to go. Among the people that were helping out was Gerardo Bautista and his guys, his five-person landscaping crew. Bautista has been 
taking care of Malibu's homes uh, when it comes to landscaping since 1985. He spent, he and his crew spent Friday going from home to home, cutting back brush, putting out fires. He says, I saved Anthony Hopkins' house. He says, my whole life has been here. I'm really trying to help these people with their homes. Imagine that. Okay. uh, Let's also talk about the potential for donations. People have been amazing in terms of the amount of money, uh, the amount of supplies that have come forward in response to this fire here in Southern California, the fire in Northern California. Uh, I've seen uh, GoFundMe pages posted for individuals, for families, for entire neighborhoods, for businesses that have been uh, affected by the fire. There's one There's one new call going out. Stop sending useless stuff. They have buildings full of stuff, not only here in Southern California, but in Northern California. They have buildings full. They have a 5,000-square-foot building full of clothes in Butte County, stacked up on tables five feet high. They get it. The best tool now is not your used clothing or an old toy or a stuffed animal that's got your lice in it or anything like that. The best opportunity for you now to make a difference and to allow the people who know how to get relief supplies to where it needs to go is just money. I know, but you know what? Some people don't have money and they want to do anything that they can. And so they they wrap up their their kids' old toys with lice and they just send it. I'm sorry. Don't look at me like that. People want to do what they can. I get um, it. Facebook says it's matching up to 500 grand of its users' donations to Good. the American Red Cross. That's on top of the 250 grand that they've already pledged. Uh, let's see. As of yesterday, Facebook said it they'd raised more than 170 via that donate button. Now there there are different ways that you can donate. We've got stuff up on our website at kfiam640.com and of course you can go through the big ones if you know uh the different ones United Way LA, American Red Cross, Ventura County Community Foundation. Uh there are a disaster distress uh, with the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration that's available. Red Rover is an organization that provides relief to emergency animal shelters for those that are impacted by these animals that have uh, and pets that have been rescued from fire areas. L.A. County Animal Care and Control is also requesting some donations. Now, the, the thing is, these all of these different agencies are in the business of disaster relief. This is what they do. This is all they do for a lot of them. So allow them to use the money that they can. If you don't have the money to give, but you do have time and energy and effort, then learn how you can volunteer. But just sending them, there, there's some, a great article out of uh, one of the papers up in Northern California. There's a great article that explains in the event of a disaster like this, people will go through their garage and find stuff they're not using, thinking that other people would be able to use them, like a box of Frisbees. There was literally a box of Frisbees that was sent to Haiti after that earthquake in 2010. Well, the kids need something to do. Which is exactly the mentality that we're trying to avoid. I'm not going to put down people for trying to help in any way that they can. Okay, but then what do you do with a box Judgey of Frisbees? Judgerson. Then what do you do with a box of Frisbees? You give them to the children After to play the with. Other fires in Northern California, they had truckloads of donations that they simply could not, they couldn't give away the donations in some cases because the stuff was so bad or used or not healthy. They do need stuff like underpants. That's a true story. 
Of course. Up in Northern California. I mean, that they do a underwear drive for the homeless pretty regularly here. You know, you don't think about that, but uh preferably new. I'm just going to throw that in there because for some people who are like, "Well, I got extra drawers." That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Boxed up, please, in the plastic <laughs> with the tags attached, new. I feel like there's something personal here going on because uh, you're getting very impassioned. Uh, I'm just saying I've been the subject. Uh, I've been evacuated because of disaster before and been the recipient of uh, dirty some, underwear, some free stuff. And let's just say that I would have if I had my druthers and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one to, to choose because I was druthers. the one getting the handouts. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's a there's a cleanliness. Is this about be paid attention? To. Is this about you wearing your sister's clothes? Mm, no. Okay. It was a totally different time. John. Yes. What's coming up on the big show? Uh, yesterday we had on the brother of a young guy who'd gotten uh, killed in Mexico. And the Mexican government's uh, not cooperating. And, uh, in fact, the Mexican media made up a fake story about uh, about this guy. There's a cover-up going on. We're going to have uh, victim's dad on. Yesterday oh was the brother. Today's the dad. They're out of Claremont. This is the so, kid who was stabbed, right? He was stabbed at a park. He was a half hour away from his friends and the bar and the hotel where he was, uh, you know, spending the uh, whole weekend. It was a birthday celebration for somebody, and it's uh, it's odd that he was all by himself, so far away, so late at night, and now everybody's lying and covering it up. Hmm. All right, John and Ken coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. L-A-T-T-I-H-T-B-D. Look at the time. I have to be going. Gary and Shannon.